You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 218 of PHP Ugly. Welcome to 2021. And I made a promise to myself, as long as 2021 didn't get weird, I was going to drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> that almost lasted seven days. Seven. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. Because it got me, really weird yesterday. In this new year... Or my new host, oh, no, same ugly guys as always, John Damn Condon. I, I tried changing over the break. It didn't work. And Thomas right up. Hey. Welcome to two, 2021. If this is your first time listening to us, let me give you a little breakdown, a little rundown, a little synopsis of what you're listening to. This is the PHP Ugly Podcast. We are, despite what the name may lead you to believe, Three Handsome. PHP developers who are very passionate about the PHP programming language and, and oddly enough, not very good at it. But that's <laughs> beside the point. Speak for yourself. John and I run a small development studio here in Southern California. Uh, we have clients all over the place, but that just happens to be where we're physically located currently. And Thomas is a somewhat close friend of ours. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah. Jeez. We, he's, a, he's a close friend that we like to keep at arm's distance. You know what I'm saying? He, you know he, what I mean? He, he used to be closer until he moved away. Bastard. Yeah. And we like to get together on a weekly basis, as mandated by our parole, to discuss what we're doing in our professional lives as PHP developers, in our just hobbies which a lot has to do with PHP development, and Anything else that happens to come up as far as tech, geek, and nerd stuff goes. Do you think we could get we, a lot of followers if I said I was a programmer for the Dominion voting machines? <laughs> <laughs> we typically try not to talk too much about politics. Unless you listen to the whole past, like, four years. <laughs> I have a feeling this one's going to be... Hard to avoid. Well, I'm just going to be referencing the country in question as Wakanda. <laughs> so I, I will say that armed insurgents stormed the capital of Wakanda. How about we? How about instead of this? How about we talk about our our weeks, our programming weeks, our nope, work, our work weeks. <laughs> how about how about we go back to? It's been three weeks since we've been together. What have you been up to outside of this craziness from yesterday? We don't have to talk about a single so, day when we have 21 other days we can talk about. I <laughs> I do. I have my PSA moment. One day was so, so important. I do want to bring up something about that. Go ahead. What's your PSA moment? Uh, I do. I want everyone who's listening to look up how to do CPR online. You can learn how to do it with online courses. And I did it a couple months ago. And on Monday, it saved my son's life. So awesome, I want to reinforce that everyone can learn it. And it is simple. You don't need to pay for anything. You don't need to buy a certificate. You can just learn it online. Yeah. I know we talked about this. And you don't want to go into deep detail. Just wanted to share that with 
Yes. The listening audience. Yeah. So that was my Monday. We're happy he's okay. Let's start there. We're yes. Son's okay. Oh, Very and he made a full recovery, right? I mean, he's, yeah, full, full recovery. Uh, right now he's got fractured ribs, but, uh, that's the, the lesser of two problems. So, yes. uh, yeah. yeah, he is recovering quite well and back to his, his old teenage self yelling at video games. <laughs> Can I tell you that right? This very minute, I'm being spammed in Slack. XMPP disconnected on, and then like four or five different IP addresses. It it popped up, and I was completely freaked out. And then somebody says, this is intentional. Okay. I was scared that I was going to have to drop from the, this episode to go deal with an emergency, but I guess it's not an emergency. Excellent. Well, interesting that you bring up Slack, because... The first work day of 2021, when like most of the world goes back to the office, Slack decided it wasn't done with this holiday. It's taking a nap. And like the world came crumbling down. It's amazing how how much you you depend on services. And when they go down, you're freaking out. And you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I get so much information, not just from other people, but I get a lot of my calendar information through Slack. Like, hey, time to jump on this Zoom call. And there's a link for me. Mm -hmm. So I click it through Slack. So when Uh it's not there, it's like I start to freak out. And let's be clear here. Slack, the $27.7 billion purchase by Salesforce last year. Which is a PHP product, mind you. Slack is built on PHP. Want to put that out there? Um, so it's relevant. So we're, we're, is what we're you're trying to say? That. Yes, it, that's that's my point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm walking. So you're saying PHP is a horrible language and you shouldn't program in it because you'll go down. I, I was I was focusing more on the you can get 21 billion dollars if you get, build a good PHP application. But oh, you know, you oh, that that that, that makes way more sense. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just well, you know bit. what was what was interesting is I heard a, a story on NPR where they were talking about uh, Wall Street opening back up on Monday and all these Wall Street traders had no idea what to do. And I was just like, you guys didn't know services go down? Come on. Like, you had no you had no secondary thing to go fall over on? Nope. Email, email a, is functionally dead. Eric was a very good CTO. He immediately emailed everyone in the company saying, get on Skype. That's our backup. You should be on there. I Which like, I shouldn't have ha- had to do. Everybody should have just already been there, but didn't seem to happen. So we'll have to revisit that again. <laughs> but yeah, but it's not. Everyone was like, "It'll be up any minute. I can be off. I can be away from communication for an hour. I'll be fine." And Eric's like, "Get online now. I must talk to you." <laughs> Yeah, it was, and to get the, I didn't, I didn't even notice it at, at the time because it was early in the morning, and I have I have one of our clients messaging us. I think Slack is down. Like, okay, well, it's not shit I can do about that if it messaging is. Messaging you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, texting me, texting me, which which is alarming. Like when I look down at my phone and I have a text message from a client, my clients never text me. I have we have this one client that that will text me when you know, shit's really hit the fan. So to see the phone vibrate and see his name in a text message, I'm like, oh, dear God, <laughs> it's only Monday. Let's not make it that bad, you know? 
<laughs> it's and, Monday at uh, not even 8 a.m. Give me a break. The situation with Slack, though, I, fi- I find really curious because it went down for everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. th- that was, does that mean that there is just zero failover for their system? Like, they're everything goes it goes well i don't even know what yeah. the issue was i, I haven't did, even did they ever the follow up was. with that yeah that'd be that'd be interesting mm-hmm. i heard aws was also having issues so i assumed it had something to do with that but i haven't i didn't experience the same issues mm-hmm. so i didn't look into it no i should i'm i'm looking into it i'll let you guys know what i find but all right you, you let us know hey uh andy and buttery buttery miss you brother hope you had a good holiday andy you as well hope you had a good holiday if you are happening if you happen to be joining us live on twitch or youtube or uh periscope uh you can chat with us through any of those devices um you can also join us in our discord channel you can get there through discord.phpugly.com and that will take you to where you need to be. I want to thank everybody who has recently subscribed to our YouTube channel. I mean, it's not like crazy numbers. I think we're up to like, we're up to like 2 billion people subscribed. I think we're up to like 200, maybe no, not even 200, 195, but it was cool. We do appreciate Twitch. We've been getting a couple of people subscribing to us on Twitch. So that's always fun. So thanks. I mean, it's just nice to know that people are out there and appreciating. I'm curious how, how this, how the broadcasting, the Twitch works, because from what I understand from our good friend, Harry Mack, Harry Mack, you cannot broadcast to Twitch and then also broadcast to other services unless you wait 24 hours. I don't think we're as big as Harry <clears throat> Mac for them to care. But, I mean, if it came down to that, we wouldn't broad- broadcast to Twitch. Twitch is that's what, almost that's basically Yeah, that's basically what he's doing. I, he put out a video recently where he's trying to get he's trying to make discord his kind of central location and mm-hmm. he you know he'll still broadcast to other places but if you want to be involved in a lot of his his things discord is the way to go and so you should join us on discord and one day i will learn how to use it <laughs> so yeah thanks uh man we didn't even listen to our harry mac before we started you got me you got me wanting to listen to harry mac i i was i was performing it for you before we went live <laughs> one, two one two because <laughs> uh, we're not professional that- Besides that, um, I mean, like Eric, I said, how was how was your how was your holidays? That's what I want to know. I wonder how those went. John, you know where my holidays were. I I'm trying trying to avoid answering. That, that was a, that was a year ago, wasn't it? <laughs> it seems like it. Oh man, uh, it it was uh, it was f- a lot to a lot more to do on a holiday than I, than I had hoped. Uh, but yeah, it was busy. It was a busy holiday. I did do some coding. Um, got a few things done. Updated our uh, internal or not our internal. I up, well, we I've done a lot of stuff with PHP Argus. Oh, PHP Argus. Oh, PHP Argus. <laughs> what are you talking Argus, about? Argus, Argus dot t two, uh, Argus dot to. Um, we mentioned a, a while back. We did kind of a soft launch of it. We opened it up. We we got clients. We got like people we don't know uh, signed up for the service. Now, of course, they're on the 45, 45 day free trial. But, Why is it forty five uh, days? I still don't get that. <laughs> Where would forty five come from, John? You've got to come to the meetings. That's all I have to say about it. You've got to come to the freaking meetings. Because I would shoot it down. 45 days is too long. So to catch everybody up, Argus.to is the first 
product that we built from the ground up as Diego Dev, and we you know we've opened it up for the general general population to consume. All it is, it's a is a drop dead super simple cron monitoring service. That's all it does. It's something we needed for a couple of clients. We just started working on it and just decided to make it a, a whole service. Um, but yeah, I spent a, a few days, you know, going through that code and, and, and just, I mean, I spent like a week after we did soft launch, just doing a bunch of quick iteration, iteration, iterations. So that has been super exciting. And I realize how much using Vue.js framework as our front end framework got took things out of hand so quickly. Like I'm, I'm going to just start slamming in live wire, like, <laughs> every, you know, every opportunity they have, I think Livewire is just replacing stuff because I uh, I, I love Livewire now. I mean, I knew I was going to love it from the moment I saw it. So uh, we 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 built a lot of things in Laravel. I mean, that's we're always discussing about taking another direction. But for, for the time being, a lot of us stuff is built in Laravel, and Argus.to is built in Laravel. Uh, the service is not specific to Laravel. I don't want you guys thinking that, but um, it's. Uh, and when we when we started it, I don't even think Livewire was a thing. Like when we were first kind of messing around with the idea and kind of doing some proof of concept stuff. So uh, we started building up. And of course, if you listen to the show in the last year, I, I've gotten like crazy passionate about Livewire. I, I enjoy it because I'm a PHP developer. I don't want to learn another framework like Vue.js or React or any of that other stuff to do front end stuff. I'm a PHP developer. Let me do it in PHP. But there's no arguing what JavaScript brings to front end. That's where Livewire comes in. Oh, man. So, what when, a when you, it's made. When you rewrite the first component from Vue to Livewire, I want to see what you do. I would like you to put me on a Zoom call, I show it to me. accept that challenge. I accept that challenge. Because I know what Vue can do, and I want to see how you are replacing it with Livewire. Absolutely. You know what? I have, I actually know of, I suspect we, there's a bug in the system that I, I was going to confirm <clears throat> this weekend. And if it is, in fact, the bug, I think bug? it is. There's, there's no bugs in Argus. Stop. I'm going to rewrite that entire component with Livewire and... I'll let you know, and maybe we can do some uh, some uh, some pair programming so you can kind of see this stuff in action. But I have yeah. introduced Livewire already to to the website, so that that's that's already happened. It's already there. I, I built a little search functionality in our FAQs, and it's smooth and sweet, and it works perfectly. And I'm very happy with it. Boom, baby, Livewire for the win. I don't know. <laughs> that's the entirety of my so, contribution so is do you know is livewire specifically for laravel or is laravel just using livewire can you use it outside of laravel apps gee that's a great question i do not think you can but maybe you can uh i don't know the answer to that john that would be a good question um, I'm trying to think of why you couldn't, though, because, well, no, no, it has to be a Laravel thing because it has uh, blade components that that need to happen. So if you're not aware of what Livewire is, it is JavaScript. I mean, you know, I'm kidding myself if I think I'm not using JavaScript. It just hides JavaScript from the developer and lets you do all your stuff in PHP, and then it handles all the JavaScript for you. Um, so it's very, very cool. So yeah, I'm pretty sure Livewire currently, I want to say it's only for 
uh, Laravel. But I don't think it would take take a lot. Well, yeah, it would because it would need to know what templating engine you're running on because again, that, that's where it's doing a lot of its magic. So I don't know. I don't know. Yes, right now it's for Laravel. Yeah, weird. You're weird. No, I'm get I'm getting a phone call at nine thirty at night. That's weird. It's not, it's not me. I'm right here. <laughs> I know, and I'm not drunk yet. It was driving me nuts because it's ringing in my ears while we're trying to chat. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So yeah, I cannot wait to to see more about that because the the application I work on has invested heavily in Vue, mm-hmm. and so I'm just curious why what you're wanting to replace or how you're replacing the Vue components with LiveWire. Yeah, and Vue is not a bad solution. It's a bad solution for me because I struggle with JavaScript. I can't tell you why I I struggle with JavaScript. I just do. I don't particularly care for it. But JavaScript is such a powerful platform. I really need to buckle down. And Vue was going to be that that incentive. I'm like, okay, because of all the all the frameworks and, and implementations of JavaScript that I've messed around with, Vue was the one that was clicking with me the most. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, this is making a lot of sense. I'm I'm understanding how you know how things are. And then Vue did the jump to Vue three. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of you know relearning there that that they're asking for. And something was going on in the PHP community at the time as well. And, and, and of course, and before all that live wire got released and I just, I fallen off the map with Vue. I, I, I feel sort, sort of confident that if I had to pick it back up, I could get back into the groove, but I don't know. It's just, I, I feel that way, but I've got a couple of people that develop Vue applications and components. And while I feel like I understand the, the pure basics of view and mm-hmm. there were there was a time where i thought i was decent at javascript mm-hmm. i i get so lost so quickly it's like i conceptually i think i know what's happening but they're doing things that's just like all the new stuff in javascript is just mind-blowing that's the problem I mean, you get the new stuff in javascript you got the new stuff in view and then it, it reminds me a lot of when i was trying to understand uh object-oriented programming uh with php mm-hmm. It's like I get lost of okay, where am I supposed to put this? Okay, where was where where, where do I define this at? What what fucking place do I define this at? And well, I mean that's that's, how I feel it, with you. that's I think the biggest issue with JavaScript is the scope of this, the the mm-hmm. global this, and and that's I mean I, I get caught on that when I'm doing any kind of JavaScript. If it's Vue, if it's jQuery, if it's you know Bootstrap, it's that stuff is always what gets me tripped up the most really yeah i i've gotten pretty good about reassigning this to self and then passing self around which is a pain in pain in the ass but i understand when when you change scope you're not in this anymore even though you (laughs) conceptually you conceptually you think you're in this so you have to pass self into it and then you're like okay well and that's where i the most the most benefit I've gotten from ES6, the the latest version of JavaScript, is the um, the then stuff. It, do this, then do this. Um, boy, and I can't remember what that's called right now. Uh, You're talking about promises. Promises, yeah, promises, promises. promises. Yeah. Um, promises clean up a lot of that confusion for me. But then async, a- <laughs> async promises reconfuse me. 
Because you have the same issue of what scope are you are you in at that moment in time? Yeah, and so. and you're in the scope of the promise, which is a child of the parent object. So that that brings me back to PHP, where I get that same confusion from self to static. Like conceptually, they're very similar, and so you're doing a, a hierarchy of classes, and then static means something different than self. Right. I just stay away from self completely with PHP. Do you really? So, Roger, do you? Uh, I, I do too. I don't do self in PHP. Ro- Roger huh. in chat says that arrow functions help with the self mess. I don't. I don't understand how that helps with the self mess, though. Do you? I think it it makes it cleaner to read. So that you can see when you're in or out of a scope much easier. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating, Buttery. They treat the use of this outside of a, any sort of class as a code smell. Well, actually, I guess that makes sense. That Within makes sense, ES6, yeah. if you're if you're using good classing classes, object oriented programming, that makes more sense. But when you go back to just prior to ES6, which I'm still not an ES6 person, understanding what a class is versus not is it gets very tricky really quick because well, prior prior to ES6 any object any kind of like squiggly braces makes it an object and then you you're technically in a this right you're in an object yeah i one of my issues is that all of our javascript is scrounged off the internet from somewhere <laughs> we have we have very little of our own JavaScript actually running in the system, uh, except to call JavaScript we found from somewhere else, and it's <laughs> it's all written in different you know styles. It's part of it is for jQuery, like it's a jQuery add-on. Um, part of it is is for Bootstrap. Part of it is for God knows what. You know, it was taken out of a view class. <laughs> so uh, our stuff is is just hacked together. And uh, I actually had a project where I needed to go through and minify a bunch of our JavaScript and the project got abandoned because minification failed on oh, a, a ton of our stuff. Is that, is that uh, right before we went on break, you, you said that you brought down like production or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because there because it had minified the code and not told me that something was wrong. So when you go to run the minified code, it would throw tons of errors on the site, but didn't it didn't say anything in the actual minification execution. But I will yeah. say, oh. part of that yes. project was upgrading to the latest version of Laravel Mix and Webpack. And I am not in any way exaggerating. It cut my compile time for NPM run develop from 45-ish minutes down minutes? to minutes. Down what to under you under ten seconds, dude. <laughs> Wait, forty five minutes of ten seconds. I don't compile that long. Holy crap! Something was wrong in how Laravel Mix. <laughs> it wasn't some, our stuff. It was something in Laravel Mix. Yeah, something. I don't was, know. Something was wrong. Something was wrong in Laravel Mix where it was loading all of the JavaScript that you were trying to process into memory all at once. Instead of processing, you know, one file at a time like you were telling it to do. And so with everything completely loaded, every time it tried to do something, it had to check references for, you know, 300 files. And that reference checking was causing the thing to completely bog down. Um, Hmm. I don't know what they fixed. I don't know what 
package and NPM fixed it. But you're happy they did. But 10 seconds instead of 45 minutes is a pretty awesome change. So I think on our last show, as a matter of fact, was was after we had launched uh, Argus.to. And I had mentioned that we had an issue with our little support bot we built and it not um, positioning correctly in production. And I had uh, figured out that it had something to do with the minification process. And um, I, I so to correct it uh, at that time is I started running uh, NPM run dev in production and not minifying, which took care of it. And I got a ton of feedback after the show. This is what I love about doing the podcast is I can throw out any like bizarre problem I have and I can get so many people responding to me uh, on Twitter with what the solution is like, like typically the next day. I, I think I had two or three solutions the next day, and they, they all were, were dead on. It was the minification process. Uh, it was the, it was the I think it was actually the minification of JavaScript because we had we had a long discussion about uh, whether it was JavaScript JavaScript or CSS, and this was a case where the JavaScript was creating the CSS, so it was actually in the JavaScript that was causing it. And uh, they just said, "Hey, you know, when you do your minification, you have to." exclude certain things certain paths and with with the help of some people who listen to the show i i figured it out and you know the next day i pushed uh pushed it to production and run prod just works just fine it's fascinating how much crap people know out there i mean it just amazes me it's it's and the fact that they're willing to to help people out is just awesome i'm, I'm a much better programmer because I, I ramble on the show. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I'm constantly embarrassed by how much more people know than me. Uh, yeah. I used to be that way. I don't even give a shit anymore. I'm like, yeah, just somebody, yeah. T- somebody tell me the right way of doing this. Cause I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. Lazy web on Twitter. I need help with this stupid thing that I can't figure out. And Oh, look, there's an answer <laughs> almost before I finished typing. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks to everybody who uh, contributed to that. I do appreciate it. And I think everybody who gave me um, a response to that, I think you all gave me the same response, and you all were correct. I just had to exclude the uh, path on the build. Of course, I had to figure out how to do that, which, again, we're we're kind of getting into JavaScript stuff, but I figured it out. It works. Well, Well, happy you did because that means I didn't have to. I have some uh, some interesting developer stuff if you guys want to hear it. I got developer stuff too. I'm not done, but go ahead. What do you got? I'm first. Alphabet. ABC. The, the parent company of Google, if you didn't know, is called Alphabet. Hope, I'm going to stop you right there. We cannot have a conversation about this. This this directly impacts John and I's business, or has the potential to directly impact John and I's business, and I don't need this headache. Unions right are in everyone's favor. Stop talking! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me just mute Eric here. Uh, Alphabet has established the first uh, global tech union. Uh, internally, they are now unionizing as software developers and uh somehow the news cycle only covered this for like 30 minutes and then i think something else happened i don't i don't know which thing it was over the last three weeks think of what it was (laughs) Uh, and this is something that uh, a lot of people have been talking about for a long time um is how do you unionize 
what is normally considered a very independent area of, of work. Uh, tech workers are, are very independent. They're very, uh, solitary at times and getting them together to establish a union is difficult, but the alphabet workers union is attempting to actually achieve that. So, uh, good on them. Unfortunately, it's easy to hide a fire or find a replacement programmer pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. But when, when you have an, when you have a big company, I think trying to go around the, the union becomes much more difficult, right? Isn't that the whole point? Right. It's the, because Alphabet is so big, it's going to be difficult for, for them to actually circumvent any kind of union activity. I hope our employees don't unionize. Man, that'd be awkward. We just fire all of them. Wait, you can't say that. I'm pretty sure that's illegal to say. <laughs> uh, you guys, I know, I know, Eric. You're that was constantly... said in jest. It wasn't realistic. We're not really going to do that. Yes. Eric, you're not constantly... like I'm asking you to storm the Capitol building or anything. Just calm no, the hell no. down. Wait, where's my beat button? You can't say that. Uh, <laughs> just flipping through scenes. Yeah, I, I hit the wrong button. Eric, uh, you're you're constantly experimenting with uh, different technologies and drugs. Uh, yeah, technologies. Yep. Outdated, outdated things like uh, Vim. <laughs> Screw you. Yes. Uh, are you running a Netscape communicator? I don't didn't know Netscape Communicator was still a thing there, Thomas. Um, it's actually uh, it's the recommended web browser uh, for the Brexit agreement. Wh- what? <laughs> how? Yeah. How? Um, uh, so they're they're talking about MIME functionality and recommend using uh, something like Outlook or Netscape Communicator, uh, and they do <laughs> require that. Uh, Secure communications be encrypted with SHA one. SHA one, yeah, SHA one. Uh, the the one is for how many minutes it takes to break SHA one. <laughs> They're going to be super successful as as a country. I'm I'm pretty sure. That's, oh, yeah. uh, how do you, how do you still have that in your like support docs? Like, uh, not the support docs. This is actually part of the Brexit, uh, the post Brexit trade agreement. What? Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, the uh, the the negotiations between the European Union and the United Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> they it appears they just sort of threw together a document on how to do some copy and pasting. Right. This is like a copy paste job of like, hey, do we have a treaty that we used to use for communications on the internet? And they were like, yeah, we wrote one in like '92. Like, yeah, just throw that part, <laughs> throw that part in there, so we know that communication is secured. Oh well, there you go, Thomas. You left out the fact that they're very specific about the version. It has to be Netscape Communicator four or above. So yeah, come on, give them some credit. They got uh, like they're like saying Netscape 12, two. 12 or fifteen at this point, right? I, there's something something like if, that. If they were a thing, maybe. I, yeah. Um, but to, to give you an understanding of what this this kind of legal agreement between countries looks like, uh, it is 1,256 pages, and the Netscape part in question is on page 932. I don't like any other U.S. document that goes through the Congress where it's like blah 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 blah. We're going to send a thousand dollars here and a million dollars over here and blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Don't forget. We're going to send a billion dollars over to this other place. Well, that was the nice thing with the, um, the government spending bill that passed is that, uh, 
nothing nefarious could possibly have snuck into it because it was an 11th hour vote and no one got to read it. Right. In other news, the CASE Act passed as part of the felony or as part of, as part of the U.S. defense spending bill. Do you guys Thomas, know what the was CASE it? Act is? No, I, I don't. But Thomas, was it you that shared that in two years, it'll be inter- interesting to see how many Republicans want felons to be eligible to vote? Yes. <laughs> okay, that was you. Yeah, apropos of I nothing. I thought that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, the uh, the spending bill that Congress passed in December after we stopped recording was 5,593 pages, and the legislators did not get it until the night they were to vote on it. That happened with the, the previous spending bill for before the whole Paycheck Protection Program, right, where there's stuff written in the margins. It's just a complete mess. Yeah, well, in this case, the stuff written in the margins was the CASE Act, which added a felony punishment for illegally streaming content on the internet. Jesus. I hope they don't charge us for like streaming bad podcasts. We might be in trouble. Uh, no, that's past whatever there is past felony. Whatever we put out is, okay. is yeah. The, um, the Copyright Alternative in Small Claims Enforcement Act allows copyright holders to sue people who violate uh, their perceived copyright ownership in small claims courts. Um, and the, the maximum damage is $30,000 per case. Um, and this includes infringers such as people who repost memes that have copyrighted content. Really? Yeah. Um, and, it's the the intention is that people who are independent business people, uh, like photographers and songwriters, can take a person to small claims court for thirty thousand dollars in damage uh, without having to go through the legal process of filing a uh, federal claim. So, conceptually, if someone if you draw something and someone puts it on a t shirt, you can sue them, you know, pretty quickly instead of filing a federal claim. Uh, against them, copyright claim against them. Unfortunately, this is the exact same type of system that's being abused currently on YouTube for DMCA takedowns and things like that, and would easily allow people to automate the system of suing random people on the internet in small claims court by the thousands. It seems like there's got to be a way to to limit bills that are passed. Seems like it. These 5,000 pages is ridiculous. (laughs) Each bill should be like very focused. Kind of like my object in a PHP class should be very focused and do one thing. Why has it got to do a thousand different things? And it just drives me nuts. Well, in addition to the CASE Act, there was also uh, part of the original SOPA and PIPA bills, if you remember those from a couple years ago, uh, the felony streaming proposal, which is very poorly worded and seems to imply that streaming service providers are responsible for the content being streamed and are, are liable for illegal content being streamed on their site. But many people are concerned that it could be poorly interpreted to mean that people who are watching streams are committing a felony or people that are hosting streams are committing a felony. And right now it's not really clear what's going to happen. But yeah, these two things just were snuck into the, the funding bill to keep the government running. So now these two things just are law, not up to public discussion in any way. Oh, fun. 
Okay, can I bring it back to PHP a little bit? Sure. I, I, I actually want to, I, I would like your opinion on this. John, I'm going to give, I'm going to call you to the mat on this. And I want to thank everybody who follows me on Twitter and participated in my poll because this all comes together. Sounds gross, but go John, on. John and I have very different work schedules. Uh, and I understand that. I mean, he's a family man. He's got young children. So I will queue up questions for him. Um, over the weekend or over the night. And I'm going to tell you one of my biggest pet peeves with having John as a business partner is that he will just totally not respond to questions. Like it will go weeks and I'm like, Hey, uh, I never got feedback on this. And, uh, and John, I never got feedback on this, but I want, it's, it's way too your, small. Your opinion, <laughs> Thomas. Um, it's comfortably small. I, I was looking at, I, I've been interested in these uh, services out there that offer storage for your .env files and allows you to share .env files with developers, uh, with with other people. And so you're talking things like EN Vault. No, no sooner was I looking at that <laughs> than a story came across Laravel News about EN Vault. I'm like, wow, this looks super simple to install. So I install it, I configure it, I tweak it, I throw up some .env files, I send John this nice little message of, hey, what are your opinions of this, here are my concerns, blah, 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 nothing. I'm like, hey, you have an account on this, all you have to do is type in your email address and it'll send you, it'll send you a password. I just looked at the logs, nope, didn't even look at it. Doesn't care. When did you send so, this to me? What are you talking about? I'm just uh, December thirty first. You send me sir. too much. What December thirty first? I sent you too, send me too, much much too much what? Too much. Too much what? Too much. Too much what? Too much love. Said, when, oh my gosh! When? December thirty first, buddy. First message. I'm wondering if you have and any opinion to... on this package. It's because it's Laravel specific. No, I don't have any specific. No, it's not I don't have Laravel opinion. specific. It has nothing to do Laravel with Laravel-news I mean, slash Ian Vault. with Laravel, but it's the host of .env oh. files. I have no opinion because it's about Laravel. I, it's about... Thomas, give me some good feedback. So, so for the record... It's built on, on Laravel. Record, hold on. For the record, no, before no. we go any further, I did do a Twitter poll on this. And I asked people, I said, uh, for my developer friends out there who have to deal with multiple .env files and multiple environments with multiple developers, what's your opinion on these hosting services? And I gave four kind of responses. I, I say flawed security workflow, which I have, a, I feel it is to a degree, worth the risk, unneeded I, overhead. Wait, I wasn't or, working December 31st. Or the first. Have you not worked since? Or the second? Have you not worked since? Third. You've have sent you, me 17 have you seen what's messages happening? since then. Everybody, right. the, the majority of people responded, 52.9% of people responded with it's unneeded overhead. And where I can see that opinion, which is why I put it in there, I don't necessarily agree with it because of our particular situation where we're working with a lot of developers and I've had the headache of having to say, oh yeah, we forgot to add this you know, dot this configuration to the example file. Here it is. Here's the key you need. Blah blah blah. I but you, am so you're gonna have that in, in one of these services too, aren't you? Nope, you're absolutely not. Because you put everything in the service and you tell the developers, okay, here's the dot env file for this application in this environment. So your local environment, 
your your for argus.to here's the .env file you use and they just slurp it in and they're off and running i like that aspect of it but i have major security concerns around it and thomas i never let you finish your thought i apologize this is an onion of an issue mm-hmm Problem one. So EN Vault, the one that we were just talking about, is a self-hosted solution built on built on Laravel, and you run it on your own server. Um, they have guides for installing it through Forge or Vapor, but that means that if your internal system is compromised, then that system is compromised as well. Actually, not exactly, uh, because that that was my initial concern, and everything's encrypted at rest. So you, 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 yes. Encrypted yes, with a key it's, that's it's, stored on the same server. I say yes, it's compromised in the fact that if the developer realizes, or the hacker, cracker, apologize, my hacker friends out there. No, that's I a hacker, hacker one. That's a hacker issue. Cracker, if a, if a cracker happens to illegally get access to your server and get the data and realize what they have and still have access to the server to get the key, get the code. Well, they don't need the code. They can get the code anywhere, but they would have to get your key to decrypt it. Yes, there there are some hoops they could jump through and decrypt it, but it's at rest just in general, it's encrypted. So that that is a thing. I'll tell you this. For issuing a new build of Windows, Microsoft has three or four people who have a key to the room where the server is that is the only server that holds the certificate that can sign an official Windows build. And only these people can can perform that action. And only these people have these security keys, which are the highest level security keys you can get. Microsoft deploys these builds to government servers autonomously. They have the security concept down, down pat. And it has been compromised to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, SolarWinds has shown us that anything can be compromised. Theoretically, the Ukrainian company that runs PHP Storm can be compromised. I agree there are secu- security concerns. You don't have to keep going on about this. I agree that there are security concerns around it. If, if you're so, telling me you wouldn't use this because of that, I understand. I wouldn't but use this because point. I wouldn't use this because there are other solutions that are just a login and a password that work just as well. Private. Ah, this is not a login and password. This is a email address and it sends you a one-time password. So you have to have access to that email address. So you have to have an account on the system with your email address. So somebody would have to compromise John's email, know that to go to the site to request it. So again, I completely understand their security concerns, but that that's actually one step they they did take to that log sounds, in. That sounds that sounds less secure than what I normally do with two FA and GitHub. Is your answer you wouldn't do it because of security concerns? Just say yes or no. I wouldn't do it because I don't feel like it adds security. And actually, no, what you adds, well, it 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 could it depends on your argument. But yes, in general, it doesn't add security. So then, what now, where I say it? where I'd say it does add security because. It allows me as a CTO to, to rotate keys in my .env file and just tell the developers, hey, you, know, you have to pull, pull down the .env file again. We but have but how, is that any, how is that any different than keeping it stored in S3 and saying, hey, you have to pull a new S3 key? 
or a new S3.env file. It's not. It's not different. It's, it, it can be argued that it's more secure than S3, but it's not different. I mean, it, we could we could do it. Some people do it in Git. That's the thing. It's like there are a lot of solutions out there. The one I liked about this is that it allowed a central location. I can go in there and change the stuff. I can actually give somebody. Well, in general, you give people access to pull it down without giving them the ability to even log into the site. Yeah. So they don't even they don't even have access to log in. They just have a command. It's it's to a pull down view file. It's a central location until someone gets too drunk and leaves their laptop at an airport. But th- that's the that's the case with any .env file. Right. I mean that that's, that's I think dot, I think the .env file concept is bad on its own and all of these attempts at solutions are trying to fix a I, problem that that they made. I guess my other question that the whole .env is supposed to be unique per developer and then one for production. So there shouldn't be one that you make changes for production to and then your developers download a copy of it. Well, that holds up until you start using external services. And that's what I learned with, because I actually work with developers, John. I'm not, I don't just sit there and boss people around. I work with the developers. Do you want me to mute him? I can still mute him. I learned that when we implement external services, like, uh, 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 Mailgun, uh, Mailgun's a bad one because we actually use Mailhog locally. Uh, but the um, the one we use for SMS, um, not Vonage Twil- anymore. Twilio? Uh, Nexmo. Yeah. Tw- Next. Do we use Twilio? Is that it? Yeah. Right. Anyways, th- these services, and Stripe is another example, uh, asking developers to go through and create developer Stripe accounts and have their own sandbox. I create a sandbox for Diego Dev, and I can share those keys in a .env file with all the other developers. So, yes. You do have a you do so, have a, a, a valid argument in the sense of like everybody's like has their own local database and things like that. But for shared services, that's why I do it. So if you were if you're using this for a development env file, that's different than a production env file to me. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, I'm I'm hoping that you don't have keys in a developer's env file that are scary, which isn't always the case because I just saw it happen recently with. Twilio credentials got leaked and somebody bought numbers or registered numbers and then sent out a bunch of spam SMS messages because they got a hold of keys somewhere and, and it's still not clear where those came from. But that doesn't change, right? I mean that that to, to Thomas's point, the the security around your .env file on your developers' machines who are coding in a bar and fall asleep because they've had one too many logavulins. Not saying that it's happened to me, just saying in general, that still exists. This is strictly talking about centralizing or implementing a system to allow your developers to get current keys for the environments that they need to develop in. And also a central location, because we've had this happen before. A central location to manage .env files for deployments. So you can actually include the the command I showed you, I shared with you in Slack. You can actually include that command in a deployment script. So you can say, hey, when you do a deployment, make sure you pull down a current version of the .env file so you have all the current keys. It's interesting. So we've done it multiple different ways, right? We've we've used a service through. Laravel that manages it. I've seen mm-hmm. it done through S3 
And now you're talking about something like Ian Vault. Mm -hmm. What's the argument that makes Ian Vault more secure? It's that it's hosted on your own machines, not on a third-party service? Uh, I don't think that makes it any more secure. Uh, the, the thing that makes it more secure from my perspective is just the the fact that it's a central location. So I, I as the CTO, you as the CEO, can have one place to see where all the .env files that are being used by everybody in every environment are stored at. If you have a question about any of them, you can look at them. If you need to change any of them, you can change them right there. You don't have to remember... Oh, with this application, we have to go to Envoyer. Oh, this application, we go to Forge. Oh, this application, that one's stored on S3. You know, it's just, it's all it's all over the map right now. So it's just, that's where that centralized location kind of comes into play. It's like, okay, <laughs> but, this is but where it's cent- everything's at. But it's centralized on our own machines, right? Yes. I mean, it's they, not a it's not a third party service. You installed this, you're running it. But so now you, it's just as secure as the code that's there. And that's also why it has the URL it has. It has one of our non-commercial URLs that we use internally. But you, you just you just unknowingly told the the classic XKCD joke, which is we have five standards and all of them disagree. We should write a new standard that makes all of them agree. Now we have six standards. No. How, like, no, I mean, if you have them on S3 and you have them in GitHub and you have them in... No, you're, he's saying you move them from there. For our purposes, we move them from S3. We, we're no longer having application A going to S3, application B going to Forge, application right. but C. Right, but if you're going to move them all anyways, just move them all to S3. I think S3 is the least, cause it's, cause, but the least secure of all these. I disagree. I, I think what you described, that, it, you that all you need is the access to an email address and now you have all of the access you want you don't need like a separate password your, or 2fa if you lose your access to your email address you've lost access to your bank account to mm-hmm. nope so, so nope yeah bank account have- my bank account is 2fa with 2FA. my thumbprint Again, you're you're hung if. up on the security aspect, Thomas. I I, I am acknowledging there are security concerns around it. But I'm the security aspect is the only aspect. No, I, no, I just I disagree. I, I'm I'm coming around to where Eric's at. <laughs> you you're going to have the security Fine. concerns no matter where you're at. You can you can probably add two FA to this application to where you. you I, need I, I actually mentioned. One thing I, I, if we did go with the solution, I mentioned in my message to you one thing I'd like to add. I'll, I'll say it here on the show. So, Evolt, anybody can go to Evolt right now. It's it's an open source project and in, in free to install. Also, not Evolt, secure. Uh, also, not what? <laughs> open source isn't secure either. Okay, appreciate that. <laughs> Just try. Uh, Evolt, um, the current implementation uses incrementing. Uh, uh, integers for records. Yeah. So the the thing I mentioned to John, I'm like, if we go, if we, you know, if we go with the solution, I want I'm going to look at the code base and see how difficult it would be to implement UUIDs because that that uh, that integer actually factors into the the URL you have to call to pull down the file. Oh, that's nasty. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, well, if somebody if somebody realizes it. Yeah, they can just do brute force attacks against each integer. So I want to look at the code base and look at replacing that with UUIDs. And obviously, if it's something I can commit back to the project, I will. But if it's something we I can't, 
if we look to implement this, I'm still, I'll still look at implementing it with the UUIDs myself. But that's just me. I'm a UUID maniac. If you listen to the show at all, which is which is great until you start talking to people that know databases and they're like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate people that really know their database tech and when they start talking about a key space and what's in memory and what's not and why UUIDs are bad or a UUID UID version four versus a time-based UUID. Oh where yeah. It's still incremental. The the performance issues that those different things have is just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. But I don't know at what uh, scale you're worrying about that. We we hired a uh, a third party developer who implemented both UUIDs and UIDs as API variables. What's a UID? It's also it's also a UUID. It so means you have two UUIDs. No, we have two different portions of the code that reference UUIDs by different names. Oh, mm-hmm. that's painful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Daryl, yes, Daryl in chat says, "Why don't you just put them in uh, one password?" Yeah, that that's that's a legit uh, uh, approach. The issue with that approach. And I, I speak from experience is that things like one uh, password, things like LastPass, uh, have a cost to it. And where I'm okay with that cost um, for our developers, especially our employees, uh, we'll use from time to time. We'll use um, outsource developers, or we'll work with another uh, development company who are actually using us and sharing uh, EV files that way is just doesn't doesn't work out for us so we we actually have one password internally yeah we we use the services where the the thing that eric keeps bringing up is it's a one-liner that you can add to a shell script to automatically download it you could actually make this part of your uh post whatever you one of your git your build pipeline Mm -hmm. your your post checkout i mean not even your your Uh, pipeline just part of your john your Git hooks. You're like, I'm yeah. checking out a branch, and it have it automatically go and grab an ENV file that you know could be correct. And if it's especially if you include in there some sort of variable that's a great based idea, Tom. What you're checking out on this yeah. branch, I need you know a specific version of the ENV file, just kind of wow, like a composer.lock file. That way, you know you're checking out the proper ENV. Wow, you blew my mind there, John. Well, I've I've got one last thing. That's going to make I, Eric I very excited. You, Thomas. Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm already excited. Have you heard about tab FS? Only from your Trello board. <laughs> I tried to read this article. I'm like, what the it's bookmarks. Yeah. What the fuck is this in here for? What, what, please explain to me why you put tab FS. I'm having a hardcore discussion about PHP development and you want to go off about tab FS. This better be good. <laughs> How would you like to write a browser plugin in PHP? I, I do. <laughs> TabFS. You should be a Republican, John. <laughs> TabFS is a browser plugin for Chrome and somewhat for Firefox, they say, that takes all of your open tabs and builds them out as a file structure on your local file system. Again, I, I don't see why. So there would be important. there would be a folder in your let's say your home directory called tabs. Mm-hmm. 
And in that folder, there would be another folder for each tab. And in that folder, to the point. How long is this? In that folder, there will be a text file. There will be a text file that contains the HTML of one of, of that tab. A text file that contains the title, a text file with the URL, and you can write a program that can read all of these files and know exactly what's going on in your browser, as well as edit those files, which will be reflected in your browser in real time. In Windows, I have my computer would crash. (laughs) I still don't understand what the benefit of that. So, for the record, I have folders on my browser currently for like our weekly Diego Dev. Uh, developer meetings where I do a right click on it. I'm say, I say open all bookmarks in the new window, and boom, they open up. So, so the so explain to me what's different here. I don't get it. I don't care. I, I still don't care yet, and I'm about I'm about to fire you. Let's say you had a flashy little screen device that you always had scrolling on your computer or something like that. Or let's say you had a, a text file that was feeding into your OBS stream, so it had a list of all the Patreons who are currently active. You could write a script that pulled the open Patreon tab and got all the current Patreons. Or you could write a script that says, There are APIs for Patreon, by the way. You could write a script. I think the the point is you could leave a, a browser tab open and then have a script that's constantly scanning these files for changes and keep for, things up to date. Right. I, or like such a, it's an edge case I am so not interested in. Or you could close all of the tabs that contain the title Slack over, uh, Stack Overflow. Or you could have a script that goes in and changes all of the images in your okay. on your if web you to web P format. Tab FS, it'll be in the show. Notes. I can't believe you aren't completely in love with this thing. Look I at look no at the examples. At all. Pull up the examples. I tried, man. I looked at them. I have no interest in this. I don't understand. You can, oh, you I, can I, close wait, 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 wait. You can close a tab just by deleting a directory? Yes. Uh you can uh Anything you could do with a browser extension, you could do with this, but across the board for all of the currently open tabs. Chat, please help me out. If you're interested in this at all, please, somebody post to chat that you want Thomas to keep speaking because he's killing me. I'm interested. It's it's interesting. It is interesting. Because Because the browser is reading from the file that's stored locally, you could open up an active page in PHPStorm and just start editing it in real time as if you were using the developer console in Chrome, but you're actually using PHP Storm. You have all the functionality and tools of PHP Storm. Wait, so if I know how to write these files, it will automatically open a tab for me? It has a ton of functionality. If you create a directory that has a title... <laughs> That's, that, that, that is interesting. Uh, you, could, you could create your own if this, then that, so that when you do something it logs it it tracks it with toggle or whatever the one you guys use now is you say when is i security if somebody gets access to my system and they have access to this file system will they have access to all my cookies and possibly hmm. hack all my services yes you actually have a question thomas yeah absolutely and roger i will be banning you for not agreeing with me this thing is so this the potential for this thing is so cool i i can't believe you don't you don't appreciate it. What do you have for me? I, you I'm, said I'm you had sorry. something for me. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> you sound like my kids. Mommy, daddy, will you stop arguing, please? 
Roger, do you not use Chrome or Firefox? Uh, any of those things will actually... No, uh, he's so in Roger England. Says that he uses Netscape. I have hundreds of uh, uh, lose every new f- uh, every new phone. Yeah, I use uh, both Firefox and... Uh, I mean, as long as you use the same browser for your phone and your system, it, it works out. That's me. But I don't know. If you think it's better to have text files on your computer, if you, if you honestly feel like that's a better solution, who might argue with you? Thomas... I asked you a question. I, I, I suggested a, a book to you. And in our current political climate, I think I have something that's going to blow your mind because I finished that book. So I mentioned on, on the show sometime back how uh, early on in my IT career, I became a fan of the Cult of the Dead Cow, uh, who was one of the first uh, hacker groups out there who became kind of infamous. Like they, they were like one of the first big ones. Um I recently had stumbled across a book that got published called The Cult of the Dead Cows, which is a history of that hacker group. And oh my God, was my mind blown. I First thing, I didn't realize how involved they were. What's going on here? What's happening? You're a bastard. I do hate you on so many levels. And unfortunately, that's an improvement. See, here's the thing. The audio podcast people, they're not going to know what you're doing. I'm not going to say what you're doing, but whatever. I, if if you're listening to the audio podcast and you want to know what, what Thomas is doing right now, you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave this in the show. I'll leave it in there. Not going to say anything. Whatever. Anyways, um, how much the cult of the dead cow have been involved with so so many aspects of I of the uh just tech in general. I mean, the internet, IT, and the uh, we have this conversation all the time about the ethics and the morality around our our uh, you know our profession and how much uh, of that translated from the cult of the dead cow and bef- before I go on before I go on because I don't think you're going to believe this last piece mm-hmm. Are you interested in reading this book, Thomas? I am. Um, <clears throat> I got involved with the CDC in 91 for the first time. So, I mean, I've, I've been aware of their, their work for a long time. But, you know, something like a, a book that covers their real, you know, their full history is far more well-researched than me when I was 13. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe how eye-opening it was. And I couldn't believe how important the ethics and morality around our profession was to what they did. And it really, it really kind of re-inspired me on, on, on those topics, but how much would it blow your mind to know we almost had a CDC member as president of the United States? Um, that was Romney. Nope. Romney. God, I can't remember who that it was. Would be weird if that was Romney. Um, you're close. I mean, not close, but as president, because I know that I know that the States. the I know the guy running for senator in Texas was a CDC. They, oh no, no, no. He was it. yeah. He was running for president. That's right. You're um, right. That was Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke was a CDC member. And quite active one, that, actually, as well. They said that. 
in the audiobook, I, I was listening to the audiobook. I'm like, I, the moment they said it, I'm like, wait a minute, this whole book is bullshit. Like, this was a whole troll. <laughs> like, this book was a troll. This no, book, no, no. He was not a CDC member. Totally and was. I wait, 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 up, wait, I'm like, wait. Are, we, are we talking about the the Center for Disease Control? The Cult of the Dead Cow. So, cult for people who cow. don't know, for people who don't know, the Cult of the Dead Cow I was, was so a, confused there for a minute. I realized it before I asked the question, but because I was so confused, I thought I had to ask. I didn't want to put it on my Trello board because I didn't want to give it away. John, I just posted it if you're interested in Slack. Go but ahead. The Go Cult ahead, of the Dead Cow is, is one of the oldest hacking groups out there. Um, the The idea of getting together as a group of hackers instead of oh, working independently was basically so their idea. So much more than a hacking group. Um, yeah. There's so much more than that. Oh my god! Well, so there's, this was also so from the. This is also comes from the era where hacking did not mean computer hacking. Hacking meant everything that was that was taking its original form and modifying it to fit your intentions. So, it, it, the the term originally comes from people who di- who built railroad trains in their basements. Um, you had to crawl underneath these tables to get to the area where the train had broken, or you wanted to place a new little sign or whatever, and that was called hacking. It was was going underneath the system to put something in place. So CDC is is an activist hacking group that has been involved in a, a huge number of of gray hat, white hat, black hat things in history. Yeah. So uh, so for the record, if if you're if this sort of stuff interests you, uh, Cold of the Dead Cow, I think that's actually the name of the book, is Cold of the Dead Cow, is a fantastic read. I mean, I was I I, I, I just purchased it because I, I do the audiobooks and I, I buy like a block of credits and my credits were, you know, getting ready to expire or or, or yeah, expire. So I'm like, ah, I just need to start, you know, grabbing some books here. I'm like, I called on the dead cat. I'm not really sure how that could be an interesting book, but I'll go ahead and grab it. And man, am I glad I grabbed it. Check it out. Cold of the dead cow. I think it's a fairly current book uh, because it talks about the Trump presidency, the Russia hacks, some people involved with the Which Russia ones? hacks. It really gives you, gives you an understanding that the DNC email one. Uh, a few other things. So it gets pretty current in time. And uh, I was very pleased and just absolutely blown away with how much CDC members have been in the backgrounds working on different aspects. It was released a year and a half ago. There you go. And I just picked it up. There you go. You won't won't be disappointed. I don't think you'd be disappointed, but I don't know. I'm weird. I like weird things. Appropriately enough, I'll, I'll look same, it up on Usenet, see if I can get it. I don't think they will be upset if you happen to get it for free, Thomas. It seems to kind of be their thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, and again, the the ethics that they discuss and the motivations behind the things that they do was just very, very encouraging to hear. I, I just I enjoyed listening to it. Um, of course, they go into open source. They talk about you know, w- you know why open source was important and, and all this other stuff. Now, along those same lines, not implying that this person is a CDC member, because I, I would not do that. Oh, not that it's a bad thing. I'm not implying CDC member. I wish I was a CDC member. I am nowhere near 
be able to be a CDC member. But anyways, uh, specific, specifically about open source, we are in a time here in our country, here in the U.S. of A., of no matter how painful it seems to have been. As of recording. Transition of power. <laughs> a transition of power. And uh, the, the new president who is coming in has been, over the last couple of weeks, assigning cabinet members and assigning people to, to his, his, you know. Yeah, I didn't posture. hear about this till I saw it on your Trello board. How exciting is this? I'm uh, so super open, exciting. Open source developer and manager David R- Recordin. Is that how you would say that last name? Sure. Recordin? Recordin, maybe? Uh, uh, He's named as the White House Director of Technology. Now, this guy guy is not just some open source developer who worked out of his mother's basement and came up with something. This guy is, like, hardcore. I mean, he was at Facebook. I think that's where he's at now. I think he's currently at Facebook. He's leading the open source initiatives and projects at Facebook. This guy he was looks so one of the young open ideas in, 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 in the picture that they shared. I, I I am praying to God that is a White House function and he's wearing a t-shirt, a geek t-shirt. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see a picture of like the White House and then this guy this neck neckbeard wearing some sort of t-shirt, you know, walking around the I president. love robots. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pulled from his linkedin profile That's but it's, it's not only that this guy's a geek obviously you know with his position he's going to be a geek but he's an open source developer who who, who does a bunch of stuff i think it was i i just closed the article open id uh, oauth stuff um i am so excited about by this uh they even in the article that i'll post in our show notes they even talk about php it says uh what does it say here? He also led efforts on Cassandra, the Apache open source distribution database management system, hip hop, a PHP and C++ source code translator. So this guy, this guy's one of us, man. He is one of us. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. This is very exciting news to me. And I just wanted to share it there. I'm almost out of beer. So, so out of, if only we could get him ahead of the, what, you, what you're trying to say is, is the, the person, the president is assigning professionals to the cabinet. People who are actually mm, no. in the field who know the stuff. Mm, no, yes. We're not getting, we're not getting political, weird. not getting political here. Weird concept. Well, we got to get a little political well, before we go, before we go. I mean, come on. It's pertinent. What was all that noise about jet brains? Unfortunately, there was a coup in the process. So it might've fallen through a few cracks, but while all that stuff was happening, a tweet went out saying that JetBrains, the company behind PHP Storm, which is the IDE editors that weak developers like John and Thomas use who don't want to use them. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. John and Thomas use PHP Storm because they're weak developers. Does that make more sense? Yes. Okay. Just kidding, guys. Come on. A little smile. A little something. Anyways, they the, a, a story came about that somehow they were involved with the Russia hacks? What? Did anybody read this? So I've I've seen the entire article, even though it's behind a paywall. Uh, I don't, I haven't read the whole thing. I have access to it, but it's not with PHP Storm. It's within Team City, which I think has plugins that are available to it that may have been susceptible. So I don't, I don't think it's a JetBrains specific issue. the The headlines was very sensationalized. Yeah, I I think you think a little bit. 
<laughs> I I believe that Team City, which is a JetBrains product, was the, I think SolarWinds implementation of Team City was compromised as part of the attack. Team City is a mm-hmm. scripting system for doing automated testing, which seems like a vector that they would use for inserting a backdoor. So and it eight, Team City itself customers. Yes. When you compare that to some of the other hacks that we've heard about recently, 18,000, while it's a big number, is very small on the scheme of things. Well, so from the, re- and, from the response... Hold, hold on. Into the defense of Thomas and John, of the sensationalization of the story, the, the tweet that went out said exclusive, JetBrains, an obscure software company Obsc- founded in Russia the best and based art. in the Czech Republic, is being investigated for playing a role in the Russia Act. It's like they couldn't have, like... You know, frame that any better. Obscure software company founded in Russia, based in the Czech Republic. Yeah. You've heard both those countries in negative ways recently, and this company is related to both of them. Well, and I I loved the replies on that whole thread because the the top replies were like, you know, 70% of the internet runs on JetBrains. It's not an obscure company just because you <laughs> haven't heard of it right. amazon aws an obscure hosting service run by amazon <laughs> no dude no now, the, it, the whole thing is is it's a bizarre hit piece and the ceo came out and basically said like listen nothing on our end was compromised compromised software didn't come from us it was their implementation of one of our pieces of software that was compromised by a third party and had nothing to do with us so fuck off (laughs) (laughs) really i didn't see that tweet come out but yeah yeah they did respond all all this will be in the show notes but yeah i thought that was a a valid response yes i I love i love how much they tried to play it up all right the last bit of php Friend of the show, Andy Snow, spent two hours today debugging an issue. If anyone runs into this, I'm sorry. Integer zero equals a string zero. In PHP, that's true, right? Double equals, yes. Yeah, double equals. We're only talking about double equals here. PHP 8, though. PHP 8, it's not true, I don't think. Don't know about that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. But, Mm -hmm. and null double equals integer zero is true. Yes. But, But null double equals string zero is not true. It's false. Correct. Yep. That, that is correct. That <laughs> that let him down two hours of wasted time debugging an issue today because I guess <laughs> it, there was an I, if looking for a string zero instead of an integer zero and null was returned or vice versa. And I'm uh, always tentative about it, but I actually have an inspection in PHP Storm that says, hey, you're using double equals. Don't. Oh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I changed it all the time, everywhere I can. It's like, if you're comparing a, a variable to a string, triple equals is always valid, no matter what. Yeah. When you're, when you're integers, I'm, I am often changing it to triple equals and making sure that I am casting the integer if I think it's supposed to be one. Because I don't know if it's going to be null or empty string or zero or a string, but I prefer triple equals as much as possible yeah me too and i you know yep but this but we're dealing with code that's now 15 (laughs) plus years old and tracking down a an obscure bug and that's what he ran into and wasted two hours of time we're getting into the territory of enums with that conversation and i'm going to save that for next week because 
There is an RFC. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. You know, I'm glad we didn't get to it this week because I need to do a little more reading on it. But uh, hey, next week, phone, next week we will cover enums. Open source library for it. Well, now it's going to be a standard in PHP. Great. So we'll get into that. Um, I have one last. Did you know for this episode? Yeah. Please tell me. Please tell me it's the teapot. HTTP uh, error code four eighteen. I love this one. Is I am a teapot. I'm a little always, teapot. It always has been. Share, share, share it. So, so share it on the screen, man. This is awesome. Google.com slash teapot. This is the Google's little example page of, uh, of what a teapot, if what you, a teapot if you error code to is. Audio stream. You want to join into our live stream or, or watch our YouTube because you miss all this awesomeness. This is fantastic. I need this. So, the the use of this error code is simply to say I am not a service that is expected to return a result. So if you hit something that gives you a 418 error, it's trying to tell you I am a microwave or I am an oven. Um, and the use the 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 naming convention they decided on for this was I'm a teapot. That is the official <laughs> Wait, naming I'm convention. Very by that, what do you mean? What's what are you talking about? Stove and oven and microwave and what? If you hit a web service that is not intended to provide a web service, it should return the 418 code. Mm -hmm. So you're hitting a web service that's not a web service. I'm confused on that. Yes. So if if for some reason... <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> if for some it. reason your teapot was running a web server but provided no information and did not accept any kind of information, then it would return the 418 request. Let me fit. Let me fit one more Argus.to in there. Uh, but Anybody you haven't. You haven't seen the best part. If you go to Google.com/slash/teapot, you can tip it over and pour it out. No, you can't. If you do it, <laughs> you can. If you do it on your mobile phone, it will actually use the <gasps> motion detection to oh! control the tipping behavior. Google is adorable. Ah! I need this. I need this so bad. So this relates because one of the things I did over the holiday is I updated all the error pages for Argus.to. So if you go to Argus.to slash and type in some random number, you'll see it. But that's what I did. I, I'm like, these error pages are horrible. I want something a little bit more creative. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's, it's you know, probably not worth you checking out. But if you want to check it out, feel free to check it out. But, uh. But yeah, I'm like, error pages are so often overlooked. So I saw this teapot one. I'm like, oh, that's cute. And now that I know you can actually interact with it, I want this so bad. <laughs> I'm stealing this. So I, like, I like GitHub's where it does that forced perspective. So as you move your mouse, the two, mm -hmm. like the foreground oh, and yeah, yeah. move separately. Yeah, I do like that too. Yeah. And it's on, uh, awesome. it's on Luke Skywalker's home planet. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he has the land land speeder right there and everything. Yeah, I do like that too, John. That's that's a good good example. Yeah, cool, but good work doing it on, on Argus Argus.to if you're looking for a new service. Very simple cron monitoring service. Which you don't have to install any software on your local machine. I'm just going to going to put that out there. Um, yeah. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up. We've been talking entirely too long. Um, but I will say, if you're listening to the audio podcast, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a sales pitch one more time to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're into this sort of thing. Although we're going to hang up, 
you there are certain gags and things that you'll you'll see in the stream, like Thomas doing certain layovers or the chat that's happening uh, that we're responding the, to. You, you actually see in the stream or the, but mo- the most list of Patreons or the list of Patreons that Thomas should be displaying. Oh my but goodness! Most importantly. We do some pre pre show and after show conversations that totally get cut from the audio stream. So I mean, they can sometimes be very informative, very intense. They're they're typically not things that are related to coding or anything like that. It's just us bitching or setting up or taking down or blah blah blah. So come on, don't you know what 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 what? You have nothing better to do. I mean, we, we're not in the best time slot. For the U.S. people to watch this live, so I can I can appreciate you wanting to watch the stream later in life. And if you watch the stream, you actually get that before the audio podcast because we don't edit the stream. We're like, yeah, we fucked up. We're just gonna go yeah. ahead and send that out. It's all uh, all the ugly we'll is there. The, yeah, yeah, that's the real PHP ugly. So, anyways, check us out. Subscribe. We like it when you subscribe because we like to see the little. I got my little ticker. I moved my I moved my little ticker over to my desk now, so I can actually. I can actually see the tick here. I can. Uh, I think I can scroll. There you go. What's that's on the air? That's that's. Those are my Twitter. Fo- there you go. There's our YouTube followers. So we're at one ninety five. So yeah, if you subscribe, I'll, I'll show you next week, and we'll be higher if nobody else yeah, unsubscribes like, again. You know, if you if you had uh, TabFS, you could put anything that's currently on your browser on that ticker. Dear God. Okay. I, I'm I'm very curious. I'm gonna reread that Tab FS article because Yeah, I guarantee I you're gonna fall it. in love with it because every time I looked closer at it, I was like, Oh my god, that's so cool. Okay. I'll take your word for it. But not tonight. Which, We're not did, gonna talk about it anymore. How about, how about you do something cool with it and then tell us what you did with it next week? There yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do I'll a little tutorial on how to exit Vim. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> it's impossible. You won't hear from that's me next it. week. That's it. Episode 218, 2021, season... Why are we still doing Well, we're still in season one. It's in the can. (laughs) We're done. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep Keep it ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shout out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying, it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.